Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hi everyone. And Owen is actually joining us today. He is not napping this time. Um, He has been pretty vocal today, so he might uh, give his two cents about this episode. Today we will be discussing Season 6, Episode 16, Manager and Salesman. In this episode, Joe visits the Scranton branch, Jim and Michael vie for an old position, and Andy spreads the love. This episode's cold open seems to do one thing and one thing only. And that is promote the fact that the Winter Olympics are coming up and they will be on NBC. Yeah, this episode aired in February of 2020. So it had to be about around the same time. Because if I recall, the Winter Olympics air in February. Yeah, because March is too late. So this must have been like around the time. And, and as we know, NBC is the, you know, has paid gazillions of dollars for the rights to the Olympics. Interesting side note, I took a continuing legal education course on sports law and use of like sports contracts and stuff. So the most expensive clip that you can pay for is the Olympics. And that's why it's not often used. So maybe that's why they don't do a ton of 30 for 30s on like Olympic Uh, sort of things but it is very very expensive just to get a couple minutes of an olympics clips because it's so heavily trademarked is that the right uh version of that sure yeah so it's just but like the nba obviously everyone has their own protection of any sort of filmed event that they have yeah if you ever watch sports center or like your local news is sports highlights during the olympics you'll notice that they only ever show pictures whenever they talk about whatever event going on because they can get those from AP, Reuters, you know, whatever news service took that photo. But like you said, yeah, those the, any video of that is probably very expensive and hard to come by. Yes. So the whole point of the cold open, like Curtis said, is to just highlight the Winter Olympics. And what it boils down to is that knowing that the the Winter Olympics in 2010 were going to be in Vancouver, Michael very, very far in advance booked a room with this hotel in Vancouver. He tries to call this hotel and get and just ask about the reservation well, they can't find the reservation because of how far in advance he booked it, apparently. But then Dwight searches all of Michael's emails and finds the confirmation number. The woman on the phone ends up finding the confirmation. And Michael is, is disgusted. He does kind of the what now people would term the Karen way of, of customer service, just saying how awful they are and they treat their people ter- terribly and they should be ashamed of themselves. And he was looking forward to visiting the city, etc. Well... All he wanted to do was cancel the reservation. So all that, you know, drama for just trying to cancel something. So it wouldn't have been a big of a deal if they did not have the reservation. So this is the second episode in a row where there are ulterior motives going on within the episode of The Office. If you remember last episode, 
I pointed out that there are Apple products all throughout the episode. And so clearly Apple is now a sponsor of NBC, has paid you know big money just to get their products on The Office. And so now this week we see NBC really pushing their own programming on another show. As we get into the main body of the episode, we see Joe Bennett, the CEO of Sabre, visiting the Scranton branch for the very first time. And she is just trying to get the lay of the land, and Gabe is walking her around, introducing her to everyone. One thing I want to point out is that along with her comes her two ginormous dogs. Huge Great Danes. And they immediately go for Andy's crotchular region. (laughs) And Joe says that that is like a compliment to them. Yeah, that that Angie should take that as the highest form of compliment. And I just want to say something here. And I know this is going to get me lambasted from people who listen to this show (laughs) because it is such a widely held opinion that dogs are fantastic and dogs can do no wrong, blah, 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 blah. I am not a huge dog person. They have to be just kind of the right temperament in order for me to be like, okay, yeah, you're a cool dog. Yeah, not all dogs are great. And so this is a perfect example of somebody thinking their dogs are great and them kind of infringing on somebody else's personal space. And it's hard for, like if you've ever gone over to somebody's house that has a dog, that isn't very well trained and they come and they jump on you and the owner is just kind of like oh yeah they're they're being friendly and they they just like you and you're just like no get your goddamn dog off of me please <laughs> yeah that is the the i'm more of a dog person than curtis is uh, i had a family dog we got in my sophomore year of high school so like not growing up necessarily but we had a family dog that we loved and he had his moments that's for sure and he could be kind of annoying with new people um but there are like i'm not a small dog person necessarily there are definitely some dogs out there unfortunately that are just huge pains in the butt because their owners think it's fine to not train them like curtis alluded to now cats are the devil so i don't associate with cats um but joe clearly is of the type that doesn't really train the dogs they kind of just they really do just walk in and kind of just go wherever in the office and that's just another thing that bothers me just kind of with this wide exception of dogs is that now people feel comfortable bringing them basically anywhere okay and it's accepted for that it's just like like dogs at restaurants yeah. or like I've seen dogs walk, like people bring their dogs to a hardware store or something like that. And it's just unnecessary. I will agree with that. It's sort of a very Denver, Portland sort of thing, but those are more outdoor cities. It seems like. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it here. Oh, too. definitely. I have totally seen it here and it does not seem, yeah, like very necessary. <laughs> and to be fair, it's it's only been a handful of times, and I've never seen the dog in question, like, being out of control. Like, the, 
the owner had them under control at their foot. Like they weren't just kind of roaming around the restaurant tables or whatever. Yeah, you hope that the owner is self-aware enough to know if the dog can handle that. Yeah, but like I said, many dog owners are not and think their dog can do no wrong. And so as their dog is just wandering places, like they're half-heartedly being like, hey, no, no, sit. And and meanwhile, I'm trying to guard my food because I don't want your dog eating it. So many people got like pandemic puppies. Like I, I would be very curious how that training went, especially if when everything was locked down early on, if you couldn't get a dog trainer or like training sessions or something. Michael seems to be in awe of Joe and her southernness, if you will. Like he kind of makes up a lot of weird phrases that they're basically malapro- malapropisms. Yeah, sure. Yeah, where you take a phrase and then twist it all up. And he doesn't, Michael does that often. He doesn't know what he's talking about here, but he wants to impress Joe. I mean, generally everyone does. And so she's pushing again, this, the Sprinter thing. That's what Sabre is. They're a printer company. So she's introducing the office to the printer products. Now the snag in Joe's visit comes when, as Gabe is introducing all the members of the office, He introduces both Michael and Jim to Joe, and he introduces them as co-managers. So then Joe is just hearing manager, and so she's getting confused. Now, I would argue here that it's sort of crazy to me how little Saber and or Joe knows about Dunder Mifflin Scranton. We know that Saber wanted Dunder Mifflin wanted this branch for basically its warehouse and shipping capability and then the office and the staff just sort of came along with it but you would think there would be a prior introduction to this like prior to the sale but this all seemed pretty quick so long story short joe is not at all impressed that there's two co-managers and says that each of them is doing half a job with michael doing big picture and jim doing more day to day so joe says that between the two of them michael and jim have to decide who is going to stay a manager and who is going to go back down to sales and obviously neither one of them wants to go back to being a salesman Because it seems like a demotion. Sure. However, Jim's mind is turned by Pam because part of Joe's being there is to give everyone the corporate manual and a copy of her autobiography. Well, in the corporate manual, it spells out that there's a lot of incentive programs for salesmen and there's no commission caps at all, which means that if Jim has the clients and the ability, he could make a lot more money as a salesman versus a manager. So he goes to Michael and he knows the right things to say to butter Michael up basically. And Michael has always wanted to stay as the manager here and just cedes the job to Michael. Now Michael is completely oblivious as to the financial reasons behind Jim's decision. He just likes that Jim buttered him up and told him that he'd be the better manager. This is kind of odd to me because you have to assume that neither Michael nor Jim have their own clients right now. 
And so how yeah. do they just jump in and be like, oh, these I, I have clients now and I can make sales? Yeah, that's why this whole co-manager storyline is just a weird detour. It's, it is a short bit of season six. It sort of spawns the secondary storyline, the weird Dwight one feeling like he should have been co-manager. So I'm kind of glad that the kibosh is being put on the storyline. But yeah, the actual like real-life logistics of it don't really make a ton of sense. And so Michael is kind of walking around the office gloating that Jim has ceded the managerial position to him. And he talks to Oscar and Oscar's like, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could go into sales. And Michael is, has his interest piqued by that. And Oscar basically tells him the same thing that Pam told Jim, which is there are tons of incentives for the salespeople. And so Jim is in the process of telling Joe that he is moving back to sales when Michael barges into the meeting they are having and saying, actually, I'm going to go back into sales. Yeah. Yeah. So what, and Joe cedes to Michael because he has just more overall experience and the, I don't really love this episode because this is such a drawn out thing and it kind of makes this episode feel really long, which again, it's only 22 minutes, but the storyline for me really drags because this goes back and forth, back and forth. And part of this back and forth is Michael going back into the bullpen and Joe not really, like Joe being like, just figure it out. I don't need to be involved in this decision. So Michael you know, gets to do it, and he really cannot handle not having his own office. Aaron is basically his assistant, which isn't how Pam seemed. It didn't seem like Pam was Michael's, like, executive assistant necessarily. She did things for the whole office. Yes and no. I mean, I see similarities in the role, but I think it's just because Michael's helpless. And so Pam took on that job just to like keep the office moving. Whereas Erin is kind of taking that job because she is, and this is going to seem a little mean, kind of equally feeble as Michael. Yeah. And so they just kind of play off of each other. And so she is gullible, I guess, for lack of a better word, in that like she believes that this, it is her job to rearrange Michael's toys on his new desk. Side note, a story inconsistency that is a little irritating is that only a couple episodes ago in Scott's Tots, Michael didn't like Aaron. (laughs) Michael did not want Aaron to come along with him to the high school, you know, didn't really connect with her. And now they're sort of best buds and have these, you know, certain tradition, not best buds necessarily, but they have this system and routine down yeah i mean they did kind of have a heart to heart at the very end of scott's tots but yeah you're for the most part yes you are right so michael can't really handle it back out in the open office plan with the rest of the staff for one he's used to having a lead he's just having more space so all the toys that he deems necessities won't fit out 
onto the desk that Jim used to sit at. He wants to announce his sales, which Dwight says, you know, they don't really do anymore. But the last straw for him out in the bullpen is the fact that Phyllis is on a new medication. And one of the side effects of the medication is that she passes gas. And my- I assumed that's what that meant. Like yeah. they never come out and just straight up say it. He said the sulfur deposit. Well, okay, but sure, yeah. <laughs> and Michael cannot handle it, and he tells the camera that, it, you know, it was much better in his office. So basically what ends up happening is Michael goes back to Jim and says he wants to switch. They talk again to Joe, and Joe's like, I do not care. Figure this out by the end of the day. One person does one job, the other person does the other. And all is right with the world. Michael is back in the manager's office, and Jim is back as a salesman. And as I said, this co-manager storyline spawned the secondary storyline of Dwight's diabolical plan. And we do get a little bit of a check-in on that because he tries to meet with Ryan. And as is unsurprising for the character of Ryan, Ryan is very late to their meetings and doesn't have a great deal of things to suggest towards the diabolical plan. Ryan's great suggestion is to do something like Saw uh, to Jim, which I did not see all those movies. I am not a gore type of person. I don't like blood and guts like that. Um, But that just doesn't make much sense. Then they try to team up with the new IT guy to get the IT guy to give them Jim's passwords. So I... If I recall correctly, this storyline also sort of comes to a bit of a close here, unceremoniously. Yeah, I mean, I get, because at the end you see Ryan and Dwight, quote, celebrating because Jim is no longer manager and it has nothing to do with their efforts, but they... We're like, eh, well, we like to think that we played some part in this. Yeah. And Ryan does suggest to Jim sort of like psychological warfare, which that part does come up uh, in a future episode. This episode doubles as the de facto Valentine's Day episode. We have seen much more elaborate Valentine's Day episodes. Yeah. If you remember, there was the Lonely Hearts Day party. And then back in season two, when Phyllis is getting gift after gift after gift from uh, Bob Vance. And so in this episode, we see Andy handing out Valentine's to everybody in the office. And he's not doing that to be nice. I mean, he is doing that to be nice, but he's mainly doing it because he and Aaron are continuing just this super weird circling around each other courting. So Andy is giving out Valentine's like you would when you were in second grade. And I think we have talked about this yeah, we on have. this podcast before. But just to rehash it, I think it's pretty widely accepted that when you were in elementary school... And you had a crush on somebody, you saved the coolest Valentines for that person. Yes. And so Andy has given Aaron a, a seemingly a rather nice card. 
It's it's a Woodstock and Snoopy. You know, you're a good friend. Right. Which weirdly goes right over Aaron's head because she doesn't know who Woodstock and Snoopy are. Yeah, Aaron is very uh, scant on her pop culture references. And so to counter the perception that Andy is making a move on Aaron and is expressing any sort of romantic feelings toward her, he gives Valentine's to everybody in the office. And he has made a big mistake with one of these. And that is with Kelly. The card that Kelly gets makes me think that Andy got Aaron's first and was like walking away, ready to go check out. And was just like, wait a minute. If I give Aaron this, it's going to make it seem like I like her. So I got to give everybody one. And he just started picking out random Valentine's Day cards from there because the one that Kelly gets is one that you would give like your wife. Like yes. it is a very, very nice card. It's very romantic. And and the problem is that Kelly is also the very wrong person to give this to because she over-dramatizes everything. So she thinks that this is a declaration of love from Andy and that this is like a rom-com and you know it's always the one that you never think of I never thought of him like that but I guess we are destined to be together even though she had you know 30 minutes before that could have really cared less about Andy and as she sort of alludes to thinks he might be gay and so now Kelly is locked in on Andy and trying to like further this relationship that she has already built up in her head based off of one Valentine's Day card and her love of rom-coms. And so now Andy has an even larger problem on his hands because now he has to fend off Kelly because he does in fact have feelings for Aaron and it, he doesn't want to make it seem like he is trying to be with Kelly. But at the same time, he can't say to Kelly, no, I don't like you, I like Aaron. Because, well, we we have to keep being weirdos about this. Yeah, that's, a, that's what he has to end up doing at the end of the episode. Because Kelly, as we've seen before in her relationships with Ryan and Daryl, like really does take things to the extreme. And she starts yelling at Andy about how he's not giving her enough attention. Like, what are you doing? You gave me this card. And Andy says, I didn't even read the card before I gave it to you. You know, that was his first problem. And also, side note, cards are crazy expensive. So Andy, in buying individualized cards for 13 members of the office, probably spent like $50 or more. Yeah, this isn't like a box of mini Scooby-Doo Valentines. These are legit like Valentine's Day cards. I wish I could remember some of those uh you know, Valentine's Day cards that I gave out. I I want to say one year I gave Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. I definitely did Disney Princesses one year, but I can't fully remember. I mean, they had they were all like cartoon characters for the most part. The only one I know for a fact I gave out at one time was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. I, I knew it. I knew that was going to be one of them. 
I'd be curious what, I don't know, you know, Owen doesn't watch TV yet or anything, but I'd be curious what uh, his Valentine's Day card options will be when he gets to that point. And so Andy does like the most roundabout thing that he can do. And that is he sends a email to everybody in the office except for Aaron and waits for Aaron to go to the bathroom and announces to everybody, hey, I just sent you this email. Please read it. If I gave you a Valentine's Day card, it doesn't mean anything. I was just being nice. Oh, yeah. I forgot. That's what sets Kelly off. Not that she wasn't getting attention. You're right. And that's what prompts the outrage from Kelly then has to prompt Andy as Aaron is coming back from the bathroom to respond to Kelly and say, well, I like somebody else. And I mean, it can only be Aaron. And then Aaron does a interview with the camera and says, well, I guess he didn't like Kelly after all. So nothing has gotten resolved with them. They're still sort of dragging this out. And I think it's just because it's so um, childish, but things will speed up. Not the next episodes, but uh, soon after. That pretty much does it for the main plots of this episode. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode. So the episode was written by Mindy Kaling. There aren't a ton of fun facts. There is one very glaring continuity thing when Joe like Joe has set up her office to be in the in the conference room. And when Michael is trying to get the manager job, he musses up Jim's hair pretty bad. And then when the camera turns back to Jim, it's suddenly, you know, back looking nice. IMDb has a pretty long explanation of a character error that's attributed to Dwight. And it's related to when Dwight and Ryan meet by the dumpsters to discuss their diabolical plan, and Ryan makes the suggestion of something like Saw, Dwight claims to have never seen the Saw movies, but I guess in the Koi Pond cold open, Dwight comes out on a tricycle uh, dressed as Jigsaw, which I don't recall that. The only other thing I would comment on is I listened to the Armchair Expert podcast and BJ Novak was a recent guest on there. I didn't realize BJ Novak started out on Punked and what's kind of crazy to me is that he was one of the first hires for the office. Now you probably do maybe put together your writing team, but the character of Ryan was cast long before many of the other characters. So he was... he did a reading and was there when John Krasinski uh, came into audition for the role of Jim and John Krasinski and BJ Novak and I think we've said this before on here they went to the same high school and they played on the same little league team they're both from Massachusetts I didn't realize until listening to the interview that BJ Novak went to Harvard and I, I I'm not a huge BJ Novak fan I'll just say that but the interview doesn't really changed that for me. Curtis, do we have any firings this episode? Yeah, Michael gets fired. Full disclosure, we watched this episode like a week ago, and so the details of the episode have escaped us. Michael says something gay related to Oscar. Some kind of like gay quota or something like that. Uh, or untapped gay market. Okay, yeah. Something like that. Uh, it is Michael's 
seventh firing. It is his 55th overall. Antoinette, what is your Dundee for this episode? My Dundee award is woe too far. It goes to Aaron and Andy. And because they're really awkward and neither of them knows how to flirt, they do the thing where you're, you know, walking and you both are walking and then you move in the same direction. So Andy says, whoa, traffic jam. And then Aaron and and Andy both actually take it too far. And it's like, pile up on, you know, whatever highway. And Aaron goes, yeah, there's blood and guts everywhere. And so at, and we are seeing Pam's face in this shot. And at first she's like, oh, okay, this is cute. And then as Aaron goes along there, she's like, whoa. And it truly is. And Andy just continues laughing. And it just shows how they're kind of made for each other because they're both super awkward. What's your Dundee? The how are you not dead yet Dundee goes to Michael. At the very end of this episode, Michael has moved back into his office and Aaron has helped him get all his toys set. But in addition to that, under Michael's desk is a space heater, a foot warmer, a foot fan, just multi- a foot massager, multiple, multiple things. Yeah, like a humidifier, a dehumidifier. Right. So many small appliances probably plugged into one power strip. And also a keyboard. Yeah. And so that has to have, like, that is beyond a fire hazard. And I can't believe that none of those things have exploded and, like, set Michael on fire yet. Yes. Who is your employee of the month? I chose Jim just because he can now make so much more money uh, going into sales. And we will see that actually not come to fruition fully as the season progresses, but he did get a taste of managerial experience. He, you know, had a pretty good in with David Wallace, and now he can kind of just go back to being a regular part of the crew, I will say. What about you? I'll take Jim as well, I guess. I didn't really have one written down because nobody really stands out in this episode. Yeah, like I said, it... It's not the greatest episode. It does feel like we've really tread over this co-manager storyline for quite a bit. And now we can sort of move on. So that does it for this week's episode. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And be sure to keep listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you can in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.